Doug Tyrrell History and Comment is available on iTunes. Hello, friends. I'm Doug Terrell. This is History and Comment for Wednesday, the 5th of July, 2023. It's been a long weekend, but things are getting back to normal. I read over the Declaration of Independence at one point this weekend, thinking I might do a special episode. I've still not given up on the idea. I would hope that each of you gave it more thought than just lip service. The language is a bit formal and dated, but it's not a hard read nor terribly long. The framers set out the case of why the United States should be seen as equals on the world stage and have the right of self-government, and throw off any form of government that did not provide for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They then take up the bulk of the document detailing the list of grievances against the British throne. The very basic issue was that King George III, and to an extent Parliament, saw the colonies as a subservient population and not on the level of British citizen in England proper. The colonies did not have seats in Parliament. Some did send agents, but those were more like ambassadors and did not have voting rights. Governing bodies established here were routinely thwarted by the king. The arrangement grew more tenuous as time passed and was no longer tenable. Seventy-six years after the Declaration of Independence is passed, Frederick Douglass gives an anti-slavery speech considered one of the best on the subject. Douglass is one of the names from the 19th century that should get some review in modern times. Born about 1818 into slavery, life was difficult, but coastal Maryland was far from the plantation life more to the south. He received some education in reading and writing when he was 12, but that was quickly withdrawn. His teenage years were difficult and brutal, but still Maryland offered more opportunities. With the help of some free blacks at the age of 18, he escaped the short distance to Pennsylvania, where the Quaker influence was staunchly anti-slavery. He quickly became a skilled orator and a voice of the anti-slavery movement. Douglas used the date to point out the Declaration of Independence had little meaning to the enslaved. That would be correct but we need to consider a couple of points. Slavery was not a unique American institution. It had been around and practiced in nearly every corner of the globe since the earliest recorded history, millennia earlier. There were factions in both the Continental Congress and the Constitutional Convention that would have inserted anti-slavery provisions. In both cases, the need for votes to pass them were razor thin. In the case of the Declaration, all 13 colonies needed to vote in agreement. That would not have been the case had the issue been pushed at that time. While America did have a robust slave industry, the young country took quick and forceful steps to end the practice. That is the point that detractors today like to ignore. Phineas T. Barnum was born in 1810. While his name is closely connected to the circus, he was a newspaper owner and general showman for decades before. The circus was much later in his life. It could be argued that several people had a greater effect on the circus than Barnum. Today, when we bring up the topic of the Secret Service, we get an image of the presidential protection detail. That group around the president in conservative blue suits. That has not always been part of their mission. Established on this day in 1865, the initial charter and a function that still remains is the defense of U.S. currency. Counterfeiting was a major issue in the 19th century, where estimates suggest 
one-third of the circulating currency was counterfeit. It would not be until 1901 that protecting the president, vice president, and a few others became part of the mission. The 5th of July, 1934, is known as Bloody Thursday in a longshoreman strike centered in San Francisco, but extending all up and down the West Coast. It is quite difficult to distill down the entire complex affair and point blame or make a single, simple statement. There were competing and diverse unions, and it's hard not to get into a mob mentality. My frame of reference is highly skewed, which makes it very easy for me to see the flaws in the union actions. I would extend that to a broader mindset. The simple fact is, big business or industry has many of the same flaws as big government. When you get multiple layers or management, and the number of employees increase, things get more difficult. Even when you have just two levels, an employer and an individual employee, things are never completely clear-cut. Both are still humans. I bristle when I hear singer Steve Earle, who is very pro-union, and I would extend that to socialist, claim that if you have a boss, you need a union. A worker must bring a level of productivity. If they expect $20 per hour, they must produce enough in that hour to cover their labor and other costs of materials, Overhead plus the evil owner's profit. We do not think about that, but an owner has risked their cash on hand or credit to build a business. They have to make at least the same on that investment as they could get in, say, the stock market, and that's 8 to 10% a year. If they invest $1 million, that amounts to eighty to 100000 plus a salary for their time. Then there's the issue of supply and demand. If a company is paying 20 an hour and there's a line at the door to get a job, the company can be more selective in who they hire. What has killed America, and we can debate how advanced the disease, we expect one level of standard of living and wages, yet we're not willing to pay the same level at the store. We love to shop in the big box stores because it's cheap and convenient. Yet what percentage of the stock is manufactured entirely or partly overseas? And do not forget that overseas in that context most often means China. And you cannot blame it on just the big box stores. Small independent merchants are usually in the same boat. The reason there are few manufacturing jobs here is simple. Americans are not willing to work for Chinese wages in Chinese conditions. Now, that is fair and reasonable. But the backside of the point is we must be willing to pay the extra for American-made products. If both are on the shelf in the big box store, China is routinely at a significantly lower price than an American-made product. We need to show the dedication, but we do not. That's the reason billions of dollars each month go to China from the U.S. We have Chinese companies buying anything here they want, and American companies hang on by a thread. I heard the other day that the auto industry is still having issues from the computer chip shortage. And this is in peacetime. Should we have a war with China, our industrial production would be crippled, not to mention the shelves of Wall Ming and others. Spam is introduced by Hormel Foods in 1937. The origins of the name for the pre-cooked pork meat product is maybe a better kept secret than the formula for Coca-Cola. Hormel was and remains a major pork packing house based in Minnesota. The story is, at the time, there was a surplus of pork shoulder, and they made a new processed product from the otherwise unused cut of meat. 
The Israeli parliament grants all Jews the right to immigrate to Israel in 1950, sparking a large influx of people from around the world. Elvis Presley records his single, That's All Right, at Sun Records in Memphis, Tennessee. It's 1954. Bill Watterson is born in 1958. He is an illustrator and cartoonist who largely avoids publicity and even personal photographs. He's the creator of the Calvin and Hobbes strip. The 26th Amendment is certified by President Nixon in 1971. This was the last step in the process. The action lowered the voting age from 21 to 18 in national elections. The point has been discussed for nearly 30 years. Yet when the amendment passed Congress in the spring of 1971, it very quickly was ratified by the states. The effect of the Vietnam War draft was key. The argument was that you could be drafted at 18 but not vote for three more years. On one side, that makes sense, but on the other, a very sound argument can be made that while 18-year-olds are quite capable to function in a structured military, they do not, as a whole, have the mental development to make well-informed, thought-out, independent decisions. The concept is not just limited to age. The Kennedy-Nixon debate of 1960 showed that appearance and suit color can have a serious effect on voter minds. Bjorn Borg wins the men's championship at Wimbledon for a record fifth time in 1980. Jeff Bezos founds Amazon in 1994, initially as an online bookseller and often used books. In a classic example where large companies are averse to risk and often miss chances in the market, Sears and Roebuck had been built in the late 19th century as a mail-order catalog company. It would seem intuitive that they would have seen the new markets. Amazon was little more than what Sears was doing decades before with a catalog and railroad shipping. Yet today Sears is nearly extinct and Amazon is a major company. Fourteen years ago, a hobbyist with a metal detector unearthed a few gold fragments in a field in west-central England. The casual discovery prompted a thorough excavation, which has yielded 14 pounds of gold and silver items that date from about the year 675. That's History and Comment for the 5th day of July. I'm Doug Tyrrell. Now, go do something worth remembering.